East Coast Creepin' contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, welcome to our podcast, East Coast Creepin'. I'm Linda. I'm Lorraine. And I'm Leslie. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We're three sisters from the Baltimore, Maryland area. There is a fourth sister, and she will be making guest appearances throughout the series. We're obsessed with true crime, paranormal, and laughing. Join us for our weekly outburst as we dive into crazy stories that full-fledged rep the East Coast. Just so you know, we do not have a background in criminal justice, criminal investigation, medicine, or psychology. This is all just for informative purposes. That's me coming back. Down? No, I don't know. Sounded like you booted down. I couldn't think of the sound. I'm back. You didn't even throw away your dirty banana? No. No, because we haven't left the room. She literally has piles all over the house, remember? There's one there, and there, and there. I don't have one on the stove. Your stove is Oh, your stove is dirty. Ow! Period. I just threw it my back. Hmm. Sounds fun. It just needs, like, a quick, like... Cleaning? Wipe. I don't mm. even know the last time we've actually used the stove. The only one who uses then the stove. Then that's bad. Is that it's no, still no, no. there? Because I cleaned it. No, but she Jonathan didn't. makes his. Uh, don't blame pizzas, this on him. How dare you? On top of there. Yeah, no, it looks like dusting of like flour and stuff. Yeah, Jonathan. How dare you blame my best friend? Us. Bitch, please get out of my face. No, you're you're throwing you're throwing accusations at a man who isn't even here to defend himself. Uh huh. <laughs> Babe, <laughs> no, don't do that. You Did anyone close the door? The door's not. No, no one properly. closed it the right way. <clears throat> oh, son of a man. Anyway, hmm. so we're starting from where we left off. Mm-hmm. So where do we leave off, Linda? His trials. And he got. He got. He got locked up in the popo police office. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I found this van. On Facebook. <laughs> oh my god. Band or van? A van. A van. Okay. An ice cream. Well, it's an ice cream truck. Oh god. Why do you need an ice cream truck? I don't. I but had a milkshake last night. <laughs> Why is it so green? I mean, what are we doing with it? Keeping it as an ice cream truck. <laughs> okay, look at wait. that. But look at that sweet. Oh my gosh. It's checkered thing. green. Okay. Listen, just just that seat. Everything else is like two freezers and then like another like sitting thing, which are like actually they're just like regular chairs that are like bolted, bolted down. down to the freaking floor. <laughs> Listen, so this needs to happen, not in like a creepy, weird way, but it is going to go along with my um, what is it like forecast my fortune for the year. Because, you know, on Instagram, how they have those reels, like, this is what your year 2022 is going to be like. Just shuffle your playlist 12 times kind of shit, right? Look what the ice cream truck is called. <clears throat> Big Daddy's Ice Cream. Look at Do that you see it? You belly. see it? Yeah. Yep. See, it's perfect. <laughs> okay. Because Go ahead. my song for what my summer is going to be <laughs> like. <laughs> yes. Candy Shop. Nope. Damn it. It's super creepy. Especially for it being a summer song. This is Halloween. Close. It's it's in that, like, frame of stuff. It's a Halloween song. 
The time warp? Spooky, scary skeletons. We're thinking creepy. Oh. Creepy. Something that would be creepy for an adult that would want an ice cream truck. Does it start with... (laughs) (laughs) No! The Come Little Children song from Hocus Pocus. Yes. It's the Come Little Children song from Hocus Pocus. Because my son and I were, like, looking. And so we were pairing it up. And I made the reel for Instagram to post. But I just haven't done it yet. Because I told him, I was like, this isn't good. That's like a pedo song right there. He was like, I don't understand. So then I played it, and he's like laying in bed next to me like... (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. Okay, we're at his uh, arrest and trials. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he has been identified from the lineup. He has been charged with the attempted kidnapping of Carol DeRanche. Mm-hmm. So, he has been apprehended. That's a good word. Spell it. (laughs) Would you like me to spell it for you? A-P-P-R-E-H-E-N-D-E-D. Whoa. You said it really fast. A-P-P-R-E-N-H-E-N-D. No. A-P-P-R-E-H-E-N-D-E-D. Yeah. D-E-D? D? Dead. Oh, apprehended. Okay. I... Yeah, no, I was wondering how that <laughs> I was trying to figure out how you spelt it. I did. Like yeah. that. But I threw the N in there. Yeah. yeah. You said it wrong. I spelled it all wrong because I didn't even do the E-D-E-D-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to put that on loop. E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take us back. Where are we? Recap. Real quick. We did recap. When? Right now? Before. That was last week. No. Lynn and I just did it. When she was talking about him being apprehended and his trials and tribulations. That's all he fucking said. He's killed a bunch of people. Thank you. A bunch of lovely ladies. What if somebody is listening to this for for the first time? from From the third? Yeah. Go back and listen to part one. (laughs) <laughs> rude <laughs> how is that rude that's like when i listen to other podcasts and apparently like people do it pretty often they listen tldr to yeah oh my god you don't know what that means huh too long didn't read t everybody if you if you do it if you want to recap mm-hmm. tldr too long didn't read mm Interesting. He had a bad childhood. Thank you. Which led up to an even worse early adulthood. And then he got caught. Okay. <laughs> a really fucking bad early adulthood. It was unfortunate. It he was had a fun series in college. of unfortunate events. Fun in college? Yeah, that was his type of fun. Recreational killings. <laughs> oh my God. I can't. No, 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 no. <laughs> FYI, we haven't said this since the first podcast. I noticed. Linda and Lorraine tell the stories, and I kind of react to all of them. Yeah, Just you know, I was, you all know. I was thinking about that, like, <laughs> last week as of recording this. I was like, I feel like every once in a while I should be like, so for everybody new here to this yes. lovely little land. <laughs> I feel like... 
I want to start that off like every episode, but like, hey, just in case you're new. So, just in case you're new, we're all sisters. There's three of us. <laughs> sometimes there's a fourth. Sometimes Linda we and have Lorraine, people. Linda and Lorraine tell the stories, and I sit here and react to them because I have no idea of anything that goes around in the world, like ever, even and in I'm our regular okay lives. With that. Maybe we should add that into our intro. I'll rewrite it tonight. Okay. Gonna throw everybody off. Yeah, you are. Cha, cha, cha. (laughs) No, but yeah, so Leslie, like, takes notes. Does, like, sometimes I do sketches. Lies. Sometimes she does sketches, but she hasn't for the past couple episodes, just this series, because she knows what she looks like. Oh, I never put my Krampus one up. I should do that. Yeah. I can do throwback Thursdays and then <laughs> throwback your uh, throwback <laughs> my sketches. Yeah. Throwback Thursdays. And my notes. Mm, this is true. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Anyways. Boop idea. Okay. <laughs> I need to pin that somewhere. Nope. No, because you just need to text it to me all the time. Yeah. Okay. Linda will text Anyways, it to you. So, we talking about Ted Bundy. Yes. Theodore. Mm-hmm. I almost said Theodore Roosevelt. Lord help us. What the? He got adopted by his stepdaddy. I remember that. Yeah. What else happened, Linda? He's an Ill- illegitimate child. People went cha cha cha. Jesus, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is like supposed to be wonderful. And, and like, you know this. You're the one that's telling the story. I she know. Just why does it, I was going to say, why does it have to be me recapping? She, this is no, your story. Here's the thing: is that she wants to happen in this episode is you guys get pissed off at each other. So then we don't ever stop recording. I mean, so we don't (laughs) stop recording. This is my dream. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just asking her to recap it. When when it gets to the trials and everything like that, that's where her and I... We'll find out. Okay, let's go. I don't even... Like, I just have a different viewpoint on him. And... She hates him. He's fascinating. He is. You'll find out. It's whatever. I didn't say anything. Okay. Because I don't have this big disgust of him like I do for John Wayne Gacy or... Who's that? He was like up in Illinois. Okay. Yeah, we'll tell you about him. Yeah. We'll let you watch some stuff. I don't know if we're going to do him. Well, if we... Basically, he's the clown killer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She don't know. Okay, I, I guess I don't know if we'll ever do it, but basically he was just... He dressed up like a clown? He was, he was a, clown. a clown. Oh. And he would go to different events, like, in his area. He was very well-known political figure in his area. A whole bunch a of stuff. A clown. A political yeah, he figure. Was, but he would go to, like, parties and stuff like that and dress up as a clown because people knew him. So he did the makeup and everything. He had the suit <laughs> and all. Okay. Anyways. No, don't talk about this now. We'll okay. Maybe later. Okay. <laughs> Let's get on with Ted Bundy because that's but why we're here right now. I hate him. I hate him. I don't know why I don't have the same feelings for Ted Bundy that I do for... But he's just... And they're no better than the other. They're really no better than the other. They are definitely on the same level. Ted Bundy is honestly worse, I think. Yeah. Maybe. I feel... I don't um, know. I don't I know. Don't. They're on. They're definitely like on the same level. I would put them the same level. Uh, That's what's different. I just... I don't know what it they is just, about... Their MOs are just a little different. Yeah. That's really Basically, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like the way you said that. What? Their MOs are different? No, the way she said basically. She sounded like me. Oh. <laughs> what are you looking for? You just keep on staring at the screen. Yeah, I was just staring because I, I keep getting lost in my notes because there's so many. Did you not break it up? No, I did. Oh. Oh, I did. Okay, so he gets picked from the lineup. Yeah. He is being held in Utah. Held. I thought she was going to say oh, Europe. Huh? Exactly. Europe. Exactly. <laughs> okay. He's picked from the lineup on October 2nd, 1975. This is where we left off in the last episode. Uh, Carol Durant, who he attempted to kidnap, and two other women had picked him from the lineup. There are, like, police that did interviews that were there for when they picked him from the lineup. And they were like, are you sure you have the right man? And Carol's like, yeah, I think I know who tried to kidnap me. They're like, but are you sure? Because they were like, he's such a nice guy. Are you really sure that that what? was him? Yeah. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? No. This is... Mm-mm. <sighs> nope. He is I just... such a good manipulator. Mm-hmm. The worst thing is, is that it happens all the time. Yeah. Still to this day, it fucking happens all the time and it pisses me off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So during his trial, which started 16 months after everything with Carol had happened, Ted had testified that he that he didn't do that. He was at the movies and at a bar and the night that he had actually tried to evade the police when he was arrested was because he was smoking the marijuana in his car and he didn't <laughs> want to be arrested. But the police were like, uh, that's complete bullshit because you, one, you didn't smell like it. Two, there was none in your car. We found a whole bunch of other shit in your car. I was going to say, not- they looked. It yeah. wasn't like they didn't look. Yeah. And they were like, mm, definitely not. And then another thing that he had told them was that his car was broken down that day. So he, it couldn't have been him because his car wasn't even working. But he went to the movies and to the bar, but his car was broken down. And they actually um, found evidence that he was at the gas station and driving around that town that day when he tried to kidnap. Surveillance? I don't know if it was really surveillance because this is like the 70s. So I don't know how great it would have been. If they had any. They barely have it now. I know. Like, do you think about that? Like, how shitty those CCTVs are? And it's like, half the time they don't even work. Because when people go into places... (laughs) My ring is better than that. (laughs) Right? I know. So, and another thing that Ted's defense (gasps) tried to... Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That Ted's defense tried to say about Carol not being a trustworthy suspect or... Eyewitness? There you go. What did I say? You called her a suspect? suspect. Oh, my God. Ted is a suspect. I know. A trustworthy victim. Eyewitnesser. (laughs) I fucking can't. Was because... Let's have a recap, you guys. (laughs) So they said that she... I'm sorry. She said that we... (laughs) Okay. Third time's the charm. (laughs) Oh, by the way, 
Welcome to episode 34. <laughs> <laughs> I think I forgot that last episode. No, you didn't. No, because no? No, oh. it took us a minute to figure out what the episode was. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know we were recording. Oh, I didn't write it down. So Ted's defense attorney, John O'Connell, attempted to say that Carol DeRanch was influenced by all of the pictures shown to her at the police station and that there were discrepancies in some of her testimonies, like she would say something different about what happened at the mall or a feeling she got versus what actually happened. And then she said something different this other time. And everyone's like, dude, cut her some slack because she's a 17, 18 year old girl. She was kind of almost abducted and it's a stress. Kind of almost dead. Yeah, and, like, (laughs) the dude who did it is sitting right there staring in her face. She jumped out the car. Yeah, she did. That's some crazy shit. And another one. What? He got another one that same day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did have another court hearing at the district court for failure to stop with the police. But we're not really getting into that because we already know that. It was a rolling stop, not an actual stop. Oh, my God. And that's not a rolling stop. (laughs) (laughs) Fast and Furious before it was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) What's that thing where they're, like, in those little, like, power wheels? I don't know. So... I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> On March 1st, yeah. 1976, after a five-day dra- five trial, during which he waived the right to be heard by a jury, so there wasn't a jury there, Ted was found guilty of kidnapping and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And this is in Utah. Uh-huh. Okay. While he is serving his 15-year sentence in Utah at this point, mm-hmm. he is charged with first-degree murder on October 21st, 1976. They link him to Karen Campbell's disappearance. This is the one, the ski? Mm-hmm. They link him to her disappearance. They discovered her hair in his car. And also they linked his credit card to a gas station that was just a couple miles away on the day of her disappearance. And eyewitness accounts of him being (coughs) at her hotel. So he was extradited to Aspen, Colorado to stand trial. This crazy woman. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Everything's a wrong with her. A wrong with her. <laughs> a wrongo. <laughs> you ready? This is what Linda's giggling about. Mm-hmm. Wait, I, ho- I hope you slap your head so hard you knock yourself out. Let me move the candle. No, so, leave it. So you don't go head first into the candle. <laughs> <laughs> don't put it on the banana because then it'll slip. Okay, Donkey Kong. <laughs> What? Oh, that is right. I was like, what number is June? <laughs> Six. That's what number June is. June? Six. Seven. Uh-huh. June 7th, 1977. Ted Bundy is at Pitkin County Courthouse. <laughs> There's something <laughs> wrong with her face. 
<laughs> so in this trial, Ted Bundy was allowed to assist in his own defense. Um, they were like, okay, sure, I guess so, because he didn't really like his defense attorneys, even though they were giving him the best. He was representing advice. himself. Yes. For with, a murder, with, for yes. a first degree for, murder trial. With the help of attorneys. Yes. He had counsel. Yeah. Whenever he, on the trials where he did decide that he wanted to be his own representation, he did have legal counsel because the state was like, I understand you went to law school, but you never finished. These are some pretty high charge cases. So we don't want you to be on your own, but we're going to give you some legal counsel. Mm-hmm. So here's a team of people to help you. They, but he didn't really give a shit what they had to say. And he <laughs> okay. was like, they're stupid. I don't care. I don't want them. I shouldn't say that they're the best, but they were... They're good at their they job. They were good. They were, they were good. They were advising him well. But he didn't want to hear it. Okay. Because he was allowed <laughs> to assist in his own defense, they had went on... <laughs> A recess. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> She's looking at me, looking at you, looking at her, looking at me, looking at you. Look at her, at her little eyes. I like <laughs> Her upper lip is turned like this. <laughs> I can't the do it. The mood in the room has changed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To what? Nothing. My He's mood just has crazy. Excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me siento muy. Me excited. siento muy excited. <laughs> oh my god! I can't. Okay. Jan. Jan. What? June sixth, seventh, seventh. June seventh, nineteen seventy-seven. <laughs> He is assisting in his own defense. So, because he's assisting in his own defense, they give him the right to use the law library located inside the courthouse. Yeah. It is on the second floor of this building. Did he run away? Oh. I remember remember this from the movie. So. (laughs) When I said it, I was like... Oh shit, yeah, Zach Afron definitely jumped. <laughs> Zach Afron. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> she remembers him jumping from the building but can't remember his name is Theodore. <laughs> I don't think that ever came out. <laughs> <laughs> He's all serious and face, Scott. <laughs> Continue. Okay. Because he is his own legal defense whatever he is upstairs in the library and he said he didn't really have a plan it wasn't something that he totally had planned out he didn't have money he didn't have any help he literally had no plan but he said i was sick and tired of being locked up that was (laughs) that was why he did what he's about to do the judge said that he did not need to wear leg shackles or handcuffs and he was allowed to walk freely into the courtroom and the law library and have access to anything in the courthouse as far as the courtroom and the library. He was unguarded for the most part. The guards weren't in the library with him. They were outside of the doors. Doesn't really mean they're going to look. Yeah, whatever. So (laughs) five hours later, Teddy, you doing all right in there? (laughs) So the cop who was guarding him decided... I need a smoke. So he went outside to go smoke a cigarette. 
in that maybe 10, 15 minute window of not being watched, Ted jumped out the second story window of this library and he heads into the mountains. Everyone was really surprised and how when he was, why can't I think of words, apprehended after the manhunt, like how he didn't break his leg because jumping from that second story window, like you would have broken your leg or something, but he didn't. He, I don't know how he managed it. I think there was a bush in there somewhere that he kind of just into. He would have got stuck in that bush, though. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, but I can't, I thought that, because he was locked up from this time, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to this, mm-hmm. he was in jail. Yeah, for about 16 some months more. So this is the only time he jumps out the window, right? Yeah. No, he prepared for it. He knew what he wanted to do because there is, in in one of the documentaries, he tells people, yeah, no, I was in the jail cell. I would sit on the top bunk and jump down so my legs could get used to the impact because I knew that I would eventually try to make an escape and I wanted my legs to be able to take the impact. Well, I didn't watch that <clears throat> one or read about that part. Yeah. But she was saying that when he did it he had no intention of doing it but but he was preparing for that that's what i'm saying he did he he didn't know when he was going to do it but he knew he he was was going to do it it eventually yeah i guess okay all right Mm -hmm. yeah because he was like i would sit on the top bunk and then i would jump down and people were just thinking that he was like doing whatever like just trying to keep himself occupied like how they just kind (laughs) of do things to but apparently he would like sit on the top bunk and then like jump down so that way his legs would be able to take the impact from when he jumped from what i've read he did sprain his right ankle but he didn't like break anything yeah so like i I don't know anyways so parkour basically (laughs) (laughs) so he jumps out of the window hits the ground kind of injures his right ankle he runs. He takes off his okay, outer yeah. layer of clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He ran naked you're through the mountain? No, he took off the outer layer of clothing. Oh, okay. Because, like, you know... They knew what he was wearing. Yeah. Uh, so he had so something he had underneath of it. Appearance. So he hiked through the mountains, and he walked through all the roadblocks that were starting to be set up in Aspen. He went into the mountains and up the summit and everyone's like dude is gonna die because it gets cold out there and there's not really much shelter and he's gonna have to find food he's gonna have to find water but like we know we have to look somewhere out here for him and in the town they start setting up like roadblocks and little checkpoints like if you're leaving town or coming in you need to go past us but we're gonna stop you and ask you and check your car and all this shit but he's in the mountains and he's like i was walking and walking and he ends up finding a cabin but no one's in there so he stays in that cabin for several days was there any food in there or anything yes huh. mhm uh it says that he stole food clothing and a rifle and that he also kind of like looked around a trailer park that was on the mountain but it was mm-hmm. a little bit further down so he would kind of like go out and scavenge in this trailer park and then come back. But for the most part, he just kind of stayed in the cabin because he was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I need like all this hiking gear to get out of here. He ended up getting lost in the forest because he left the cabin and he continued down south. 
because mm-hmm. he thought he was going towards a different town. For two days, he wandered around the mountain trying to figure out which way he was going. There were two trails that he could have taken, but he kind of missed both of them. And on June 10th, he broke into a camping trailer on Maroon Lake, which is 10 miles south of Aspen. He took more food, a parka, and instead of continuing to the south to get away, he went north towards Aspen. He somehow managed to get past roadblocks, to get past search parties. After about three days of going through all that, he stole a car that was near a golf course. He drove back into Aspen where two police noticed him like weaving in and out of lanes and in between cars. So they pulled him over. He was just kind of like, yeah, you got me. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And then I honestly thought while he was lost and hiking around that he was just going to go like out into the road and just like flag somebody down and be like, hey, I escaped from jail. Take me back, please. Uh, That's kind of what. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he was. Okay. Anyway, let her, let her, let her, let her. Continue, continue, continue. Okay, okay. When he's going through all of this as he's getting ready for the trial for... Shit, what's her name? Karen Campbell? Hmm? Yes. Yeah, Karen Campbell. I accidentally put the same thing twice in my notes, so it's Robert me. moves faster than you're <laughs> going right now, okay? <laughs> oh, the Roomba. <laughs> no, no, the DoorDash oh door guy. What's the Roomba's name? Robert. Robert. Roberta. Is Roberta, because Jonna called. I said someone. Robert. That was our DoorDasher's name, Robert. But the Rimba's Roberta. Robert. I had to change it to Roberta like twenty minutes ago because Jonathan said he calls it she. Okay, so as he's getting ready for the court case for Karen Campbell, files for a motion for a change of venue to Denver because with everything that happened in Aspen, he felt like. Everyone would know his name and yeah. he wouldn't get a fair trial. Mm-hmm. So he filed for a change of venue and it was granted, right? Mm-hmm. So in Colorado Springs, they had kind of a reputation in that area for being hostile to murder subs- suspects. Like just in that area, they were just a really hostile like town. And if you were like a murder suspect... They were really tough on you. So he was kind of like, mm, shit, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have come to this place. But as he is hanging out in Glenwood Springs, everyone's just telling him, like, you know, you need to stay put. You need to be chill. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to go well. Does he still not have a defense attorney? He does have a defense attorney. He has his legal advisors. And also he's getting advice from a lot of his friends. Like, from law school, he had some friends there. And then when he had moved to Utah, he actually made friends with an elder in the Mormon church. And he was giving him legal counsel. And, like, that entire, like, he converted to Mormonism. And 
the guy who was his friend baptized him. The entire church sent him a, like, we're thinking of you card, and we know it wasn't you. And they all drew on the card and hearts and stars and horseshoes, you know. Lovers and blue moon. <laughs> and just, like, sent all these <laughs> and things a red to balloon. Ted's. <laughs> and so... What like, happened to the red balloon? Is it still in there? I think I so. so. I mean, I haven't had Lucky Charms in a minute because when I burp them, it tastes like rotten eggs, well, so I don't like I think it. It's it's so it does that to everybody. Why does it do that? Mm. Then why do we still eat it? I don't know because I like going it. Going down, but not good coming back up. Like, yeah, what's wrong with true. you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he's at this jail in Garfield County. Mm-hmm. It is red balloons are still there. Nice. They must have just like put them back in. <laughs> On December, on the night of December 30th, most of the jail people Mm -hmm. are out because, you know, it's Christmas time. It's New Year's time. And this is still 77. Yes. Okay. And a lot of the nonviolent prisoners are actually on furlough with their families. They added a unicorn and a shooting star. The shooting star has been there for a while. I know, but a unicorn? Really? I don't know. Anyway. Well, the shooting star is now the star. (laughs) (laughs) Like, her mouth was moving like she was going to say more. So I was just, like, waiting for it. Sorry. Okay, continue. So, on the night of December 30th, most of the staff is on, like, Christmas break. Nonviolent prisoners are on furlough with their families. Ted, Ted's got a plan. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. So, in the time that Ted was in this jail, he decided he was going to lose weight. Ted lost some weight. I don't remember how much, but when you look at pictures of him, it's like, ew. You lost a lot of weight. <laughs> but that was part of his plan. They took out the pot of gold. I was saying it in my... That's why I was like, moving my mouth earlier. What? Why? I, was, I don't know. Shut up. Continue. Anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> He had noticed in his ceiling that there was, like, this opening. And maybe he could crawl through there. And he had actually wrote in letters to Elizabeth, like, maybe maybe this is something I could do. And she's just like... Don't they read letters? Not back then. They just thought he was such a nice guy that they didn't. Yeah, no one really gave a shit. So he piled some books and files on his bed. And he covered them with a blanket. To Sounds make it like look a like a Seuss sleeping book. body. And he climbed into the crawl space. From the crawl space, he broke into the apartment of the chief jailer who was out for the evening with his wife. Oh, shit. He changed into the officer's street clothes and walked out the front door. <laughs> this is why I find him fascinating. He just doesn't give a shit. At so all. he loses like twenty pounds. Yes, to fit into a fucking hole. Yes, this hole in the ceiling. Yeah, what did the hole look like? Do you have it a picture? Was of a light. We'll it looked like that. Yeah, I shit you not. It looked like that. So he busted out the light. He moved it. Oh, because it was a drop ceiling. So yeah. Was, yeah. Well, well, sort of. Like it, well, I'll show you pictures okay. in the end. Yeah. Or Linda can find it and show it to you in five seconds. But I got so many pages. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. You're good. But yeah, Yo just lost weight and was like, he did my best friend. He said, I'm a fit through this hole. 
and he <laughs> went through the whole yeah that girl i can't get over her i still give her shit for that he walks out the front door to freedom he steals the car and he drives to the east to glenwood springs and up top that little yeah yeah, yeah i see yeah that. so he just like pushed it up into it moved it over and then went through there seriously like yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's, okay mm-hmm. that's crazy mm-hmm. we should see if jimmy could do that he could. jimmy's about ted bundy size he's skinny our cousin he yeah. could we could stick him okay in there. it'll work jimmy we're putting you in the ceiling mm-hmm. it'll be fine all the shit we used to do to him as a kid this is nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's great so he steals the car the car breaks down on Interstate 70. A passing motorist gave him a ride 60 miles east. They drove him. He caught a bus from there to Denver, where he boarded a flight in Denver, went to Chicago. I thought he was already in Denver. No, they moved him. What? I thought you said you transferred him to Denver. They he wanted to get moved to Denver from Pick Picton. What? Colorado Springs. Glenwood Springs. Okay. Glenwood. Yeah. Okay. My bad. Yeah. I, I'm like, wait. This was I'm the building that he jumped out the window. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he caught a bus to Denver and then he boarded a morning flight to Chicago in Glenwood Springs where the jail is. They didn't discover that Ted Bundy escaped until noon on December 31st. <laughs> Almost 17 hours so at later. At this point, he's already in Chicago. Oh, he's Chicago. already in fucking Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's gone. He's gone. He was able to get a flight. I'm telling With you. what money? Bitch, I don't know. He was getting... So... Just robbing people left and right on his way out there, I guess. I mean, you have to think he was in the what's-his-face's room. He probably took money from there when he changed into his clothes. He could have done that. And then another thing is, like, he did kind of have, like, a little stash of sorts where... His fan base was already leaving him little love notes. That and, like, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get into a woman... Her name is uh, Bitches and Hoes. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> I forgot her name. I'm trying to find a Is this the chick that he married while he was in jail? <laughs> yeah, because they were Dumb like bitch. friends at this point. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so he's in Chicago. Yes. From Denver. From Chicago. He boarded a flight to Chicago from Denver area. He took a train to Michigan. He then drove south to Atlanta. From Atlanta, he took a bus to Tallahassee, Florida. He drove to Atlanta? Oh, on a bus, you said. From train Atlanta to, Mich- to Florida. Okay, so he went from... He took a train <laughs> to Michigan. Train to Michigan from Chicago. He drove south to Atlanta. So he got a car. He probably stole someone's car. Are we surprised? No. And then from Atlanta, he took a bus to Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. You got our itinerary together? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how how long was this? Like all in a day? Well, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. This is like three days worth. 
So they this is found the new year already. Was he was in he was in Michigan on January second. He arrived in Tallahassee, Florida on June eighth. So about nine days. January. I mean January eighth. Why does everybody do that? I've heard seriously so many people at work say I want to come in like June twenty third, and I'm like. <laughs> We don't even have the book out that far, no. And they're like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's in Tallahassee. He's renting a room at the Holiday Inn under... Hotel C- Motel? Yes. Under the alias of Chris Hagen. Hmm. I don't know. That's the alias he's Why using. Why did he pick that name? I don't, I don't know. know. Does he say why? Ever? No. Oh, okay. Probably not. I mean, it sounds pretty blah. It's definitely not. Pringles in my feet. Pringles? Yeah. (laughs) You never get those? Pringles. What do you call call them? Prickles? Prickles? (laughs) Oh, I said Pringles. Pringles. Like needles in your feet? Um, I just say needles. Pins and needles. Maybe that's that's probably how she got Pringles. (laughs) I probably put them both together. Pringles. I I go pika 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 because it hurts. Yeah. Pringles. Pringles. Pringles in my feet. Pringles in my feet. That'll be a song for another day for the Patreon. (laughs) 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 Her like Pringles in my feet. You see her? Look him. Look look him. Ain't that sweet? Because <laughs> they're Pringles. They're salty. Ew. My name ain't Chris Daughtry. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> okay, listen. I've been up since 5 a.m. It is currently 1.30. 1.30. I need a nap. So then I can You can nap Fortnite. after this. I know. I'm waiting. Okay. Is it lunchtime? I'm not yes. hungry. I'm just wondering. Nobody's hungry except for probably that thing outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My black it's hole. Probably dying. <laughs> anyway, he He's, gets to Tallahassee. Yes. He runs at the Holiday Inn mm-hmm. under the name of Chris, Chris Hagen. Hagen. It's a boarding house near Florida State University. He actually says in an interview. Did he kill somebody now? Will you shut Again? up? He's she's talking. I'm talking to you. Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, he's like, you know, I actually kind of want to find like a legitimate job. Maybe I'll change my name to Chris Hagen and get a job at this college, being a janitor or something, and not kill anyone anymore, and remain free and undetected. And does he look drastically different? Within that time period from when he was I don't first apprehended? So, no. Okay. Uh-uh. He, so then like, people in Tallahassee... They just like, don't know about him yeah. at that point. No. Because everything's happening really over on the West Coast. So East Coast not really knowing too much. Oh, like he's kind well, of big up in that area. But... Yeah, and then he's only for that one murder. So it's not like they knew he was a sil- serial killer uh-huh. at that time. Uh-huh. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. He's just like, I'm gonna lay low. He actually put in a job application for a construction site. He abandoned that because he was gonna get the job, but then they asked him for identification and he couldn't provide it. 
So he went back to shoplifting, stealing money and credit cards from women's wallets left in shopping carts in grocery stores. So that's how he got his money to Damn. be able to get around. Did he put the purses back? I don't know. I maybe. Really? He's a murderer and you're worried about the purses? Yeah, well, he, if he's <laughs> trying to keep it on a DL. I, just, I would probably just be like, oh, shit, where did my money go? <laughs> but if I'm missing my purse, I'd be like, what the fuck? Who took that? <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> you run away with my purse. I'm not getting no candy. Okay. <laughs> wow. Love it. <laughs> January 15th. 1978. Wait, what? A whole year done passed by? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is this one of those things where we're going to the next month? It's a year later. <laughs> yes. I almost wrote, I don't know why, on some paperwork. What was, I don't know, like January 3rd, 1997. <laughs> why? 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 That's not even the right, like, end year. What is that? It's not the right decade. It's not the right century. Why? Oh, my God. I looked at it and I was like, huh? That doesn't look great. Anyways, go ahead. 1978. Mm. So it's been six days since he got to seven. There are several girls. They live in the Chi Omega sorority house. All of the girls have been out. I think they said it was like someone's wedding that they were all going to it was like a big party that they had all gone to but a couple of the girls were like i kind of want to go home it's getting a little late it's around like one to two in the morning so they all walk home and they're just like hanging out some of them start studying for a little bit and then they decide i'm gonna go to sleep what's that ugly ass face for leave the candle alone my hands are cold (laughs) (laughs) should be my like me be more like me wear two pants <laughs> how does that help my hands you stick your hands in your pants <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so there are a couple girls in the house mm-hmm. right now it's gonna be like karen and kathy talking karen chandler and kathy kleiner They both went to Florida State University. They said that classes had been going on for about a week now, and everyone had moved into the sorority house. They had walked home to get to the sorority, and there were, like, kids talking about, like, everything and, like, where they're going and what they're doing, and, like, there were, like, people outside, and... (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm about to eat a pear, yo. I'm just oh my about, god! I just remembered. I don't know why. Just remembering that time you farted. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was my loud. God. <laughs> <laughs> you left it. <laughs> you posted it. I know. Oh I did. my god. <laughs> Oh, my God. We may never recover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. My stomach or something. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck to me. Oh, Lord Almighty. 
Would you like a pear? <laughs> no, <laughs> you done already ate it. <laughs> you can have the butt. No, I don't want it. <laughs> okay, Karen and Kathy. <laughs> Why does her face look like she broke up with the love of her life? <laughs> God, that um. hurts so much more <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> All you have to do is just think. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to sit here and eat my pear. Go pee. Get out of here. Don't pee on the chair. I'm <laughs> trying to hold it. <laughs> It doesn't look like it's working. What? You still look like you got fucked up in a bar fight, you know? Okay, Your eyes are still so I don't know. I hope I ever, never know how that feels. Happy <laughs> <Just laughs> God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really got going up. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I got really <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Karen and Kathy had come home. They had walked home. And one of Kathy's big things about coming home a little bit earlier than everyone else was because she had a test on Monday. So she was like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go home and like stay home. I'm not going to go out with everyone. And I'm going to study. Karen came in about about the same time that she did because she had a really big sewing project that she had to do for her class. So they both sat down next to their beds because they had the same room in the sorority house. So they were doing both of their things together. They said that they had talked for a little while and Kathy started to get sleepy. So she was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go to bed. Kathy and Karen went up to bed around midnight they don't know potentially how long they were asleep for it was probably close to around like 2 30 maybe three o'clock in the morning when kathy said she heard their bedroom door slam open like someone <clears throat> like just flung the door and it like slammed open right. and she was trying to kind of like figure out what was going on and she was like i was awake enough to know that Someone was there in our room, and I'm trying to open my eyes and, like, focus on what's going on. And I see this, like, body in front of me, and I just see the man, like, raised his arm, and he had something in his hand. And she said it looked like a pipe or a stick. And she's like, I didn't know what it was, but it just came down and hit me in the face. Oh, and shit. she was like, it felt like pins and needles and knives were just sta- Pringles yeah. in her face. Mm-hmm. We're just like stabbing her in her face. <laughs> and she said at this point, Karen is now starting to wake up. And he went over and started hitting Karen. He could tell that Kathy was still alive because she was like moving, trying to figure out what it was if she was getting up or if like what was happening so he went and he raised his arm above his head again 
But right when he did that, a light came through their bedroom window. And then you could hear talking because it was one of the girls coming home. So her car was pulling into the driveway and the headlights flashed into the bedroom. So he freaked out and he ran for it. Oh, shit. So he left the room. And then Karen says the next thing that she remembers is like being lifted up and walked out of the house. And she's like, I remember trying to ask if Kathy's okay or if she's going to be okay. And everyone just like the first responders kept telling her like, you know, just focus on yourself. Everything's going to be fine. Like it's going to be okay. And she said she didn't really like there was so much noise and the lights and everything. And her body is obviously like going into shock. She was like, I really thought that like I was walking through a carnival because of like all the lights and all the noises. And my body was just like, we're going to put you somewhere fun in your head. So oh, we're going to carnival. So she's like, yeah, I was going to say, when the mood changes. Yeah. So both Kathy and Karen were brought out on gurneys. And the sheriff at the time is Sheriff Ken Katsaris. Mm-hmm. And he said when he got there, Kathy and Karen were being taken out. And he was like, I saw them and I'm just freaking out. I'm like, they they could be my daughters. And like, I knew when I got the call that there were definitely two victims dead. So when I saw the gurneys go by, I didn't know if these were the, the dead girls or whatever. And I'm just like, wait, there out. was more? Mm-hmm. Duff. So Karen said... In the same house? Mm-hmm. We're getting there. Oh, my God. So Karen woke up in the ICU, and she didn't really have any idea why she was there. She was like, I knew something bad happened. She had a skull fracture. He broke from hitting her. She said she thinks almost every bone in her face was broken. Her jaw was broken. She had a broken arm and a couple of fingers on her hand were crushed from trying to cover her face. She had crushed a couple of her fingers. She said that it was a day or two before her parents told her what happened. They wouldn't let her turn the TV on. Even the nurses and the doctors were like, no, 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 no. Because it's all Uh, over the news what had happened. So two of their sorority sisters... Margaret Bowman, she is 21, and Lisa Levy, 20. They were strangled, beaten, and sexually assaulted and murdered by Ted Bundy. And their room was right down the hall from Kathy and Karen's. That's crazy. And they didn't hear any of this going on? Nope. Sheesh. Kathy, her jaw was broken in three places. It was basically hanging on by the joint, and they had to wire her mouth shut. Ah. So while everything is going on, they're investigating that crime scene. So Lisa Levy and Margaret Bowman were the two that were murdered. They said Margaret Bowman's skull was crushed to the point where it was literally splayed in half and just open on her bed. And the attacker also bit Lisa Levy with enough force to leave indentations and clear bite marks in her body. There was some on her shoulder, and there was also some on, like, the side of her butt. So was she trying to fight? 
It seems like it. Oh, my God. At the time that all of this is happening, they're working on this investigation. They get a call about an attack happening a couple streets away. And the sheriff is like, what the fuck? Could this be the same person? All this is still going on. Like, at this point, when they get the call, it's obviously it's the same day. And he's like, it hasn't even been a couple hours we're here, there's all this police presence, all this lights going on, and this person does not give a shit, like, if it's possibly the same person. Mm -hmm. He went to Cheryl Thomas's house. She lived a couple streets down from the sorority. He climbed in through her kitchen window. She remembers waking up and seeing him because she was laying in her bed. He had pantyhose on his head and it was like tied into a knot so like the legs were on top of his head and it was tied into a knot and he had the eye holes cut out he started attacking her and she was struggling with him and he pulled off the pantyhose and just threw them onto the floor but from all of the banging and Cheryl's screaming and but like it was more like whimpers because he was trying to hold her mouth shut and there's just like this whole struggle and everything her neighbor actually heard what was going on because they lived in a duplex so her neighbor could hear through the walls they can do that (laughs) she kind of like yelled through the wall asking if everything was okay but at the same time said she was calling the cops so that spooked him and when the police got on the scene they found cheryl on her bedroom floor completely bloody and beaten up almost to the point where like the other girls were and he had just left her there Cheryl says, I woke up in a Tallahassee hospital and I couldn't really tell you who or where I was. I know I had a pain in my face, a pain in my head, and my face was very swollen. And my mom and dad had to tell me what happened because I really didn't know. And I couldn't really remember what happened. And they slowly had to break the news to her. But, like, over time, with, like, therapy and counseling, she's regained memories of it. Mm -hmm. But she does have permanent damage. She was a dance major. But the trauma from being hit in the head, um, her jaw was broken in two places. Her shoulder was dislocated. And she had five skull fractures. And it left her permanently deaf in her left ear. Oh, damn. But because of all of the trauma to her head, it messed with her equilibrium and also with some of the structure in her left ear. Mm -hmm. So she can't keep her balance like she used to. So she she couldn't finish her dance major. God, that sucks. Yikes. (sighs) So these were all... In one night. In one night. No, in one night. They all attended the same university? Yeah. They all went to Florida State. Um, The first four girls were all in the... The same house. Yeah, the same sorority. Yeah. So that all happened, what, January 14th? Yes, January 14th, 1978. And at this point, everyone's trying to figure out, like, who did it? What's going on? Obviously, like, we know it's Ted Bundy, but... We know it's him now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Sheriff Ken, he got a call from the police out in Colorado, and they were like, hey, we heard what went on down there. Just so you know, we have an escaped convict. This is his name. Have you heard of him? And he was like, yeah, like, I've heard of Ted Bundy, but, you know, whatever. And they're like, well, he escaped. We literally have no clue where he is. Like, he could be anywhere. And he's just like, okay, 
let me write this down. So he like wrote it down on a piece of paper and he was just like, so that was the first name I really associated with him. But as that cop and I were talking about it, we were like, well, it's a little different from his normal MO. Because, I mean, but then some of them were sort of like this when he would break into people's house and like just attack them. Because mm-hmm. they were like, he was like, as far as I knew, his MO was basically like, I'm going to lure these women out to my car, abduct them, and then, you know, do whatever. Right, but wasn't his first one just the... Yeah, but her body wasn't there. Yeah. So, like, as far as he knew what was on the news and everything, it was, like, a lot of this man is going around luring women, not going into their homes and attacking them. Did they get dental impressions? (laughs) We're getting there. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's no chill with you, man. (laughs) So, at this point, the cops, like, all over Florida, and especially, like, in this area near FSU and, like, I guess, like, Tallahassee and Lake City, everything, it's not really, like, a lockdown. They're just telling people, like, you know, be careful, keep an eye out. Mm -hmm. Like, just don't really go anywhere alone or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. But that's not even safe for them either because they were all in the freaking house together. Yeah. And you freaking breaking in Mm -hmm. and they said that a lot of what that had to deal with was there was a faulty door lock on their sorority house so he got in through that so he's just going around checking doors yeah wasn't that like a huge thing of it too is that that started a really big feminine movement back like in Washington and stuff like that because they're basically telling women not to go outside. Yeah. And they're like, why should we be the ones caged in when it's the men doing this to us? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. a lot of it was like, a lot of even the police and they're like, they had like the debates on the TVs at the time. They were like, um, doing... Like women had a curfew. Well, no, not even that. They were like, okay, well, one of the girls who was actually almost a victim of Ted Bundy started, like, a self-defense class, and once all of these, like, abductions and everything and all of that stuff had started happening over in Utah and Colorado, the registration for her class went up to the point where they had to start doing more classes Mm -hmm. and because it was, like, a women's only self-defense class, and a lot of the police and the political figures were like, no, there's literally no point of you trying to fight this person. You are a woman. You are never going to overpower this man. So you just need to lay there and let it happen or you're going to die. The fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And every, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was just, it was a lot of, like, a women's right movement and just, like, what the, like, yeah. So they were, like, putting curfews on people. And, like, if you go out, make sure there's a guy with you that you yeah. trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bitch, please. I handle myself. And that was another thing, like, that there were interviews, like, at the time. I, maybe I at wouldn't the time want to try like, and fight you. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but, like, there, there were interviews of women that... Maybe not at the time, like, it was after it, they were interviewed, and women were like, yeah, no, like, men would use it against us, like, oh, let me walk you home, and it'll be, like, somebody from class or something like that, or, like, somebody Mm -hmm. from a bar, and she's like, no, and they're like, you don't want to be out there alone, do you? Because then, if you walk alone, you might get snatched up, 
And then so that's that kind of sounds like you're trying to snatch me well, up. Exactly. <laughs> so the women are like playing it back and forth. Like, well, I don't feel safe with him, but I also don't feel safe walking alone. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're still in Florida. Mm-hmm. It is February 9th, 1978. It is a rainy day. It's like very drizzly, very it's a dreary. I don't know. Huh, I'll check. There is a seventh grader. Her name is Kimberly Lynch. She is 12 years old, and she is attending Florida Lake City Junior High School. Her and her friend, Lisa, they had, I think Lisa said, like, they came from an assembly or something, and they were going to lunch, and Kim realized that she had, like, left her purse somewhere. It was a Wednesday. Damn, so close. <laughs> <laughs> so she had realized that she left her purse somewhere and she went to go get it. And Lisa's like, okay, cool. I'll see you later. I mean, we're 12, so whatever. I'll see you in the next class. And she didn't show up to the next class. And she didn't show up to lunch either. Hmm. And so Lisa at this point is like, something is going on. Something is wrong. Because Kim would never skip class. She would never leave the campus. She was like, we're 12. She is one of the most shy people that I ever knew. Like, we wouldn't just run away and, like, go do something. So there were some eyewitnesses. Uh, There was a firefighter who was coming home from work. And he said that he had seen a man leaving the school property with a young girl. But to him, it kind of looked like a dad going to get his daughter. Like, either maybe she was sick or she got in trouble and he was taking her home for the day. Like, it didn't really set off any red flags for him. He just kind of, like, let it go. But he was just like, I remember seeing that and seeing that beetle. But there was nothing in my head for me to, like, be alarmed. Another beetle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not the same yellow nope. one. He stole this one. Okay. A couple days later, on February 15th, 1978, Ted is pulled over. The headlights are off. The police officer realized that the mat, the bleh, the plates on this car that is pulled over match a stolen vehicle. He goes over to the person in the car and they actually get into a pretty violent scuffle before he's able to subdue the driver of the car. He gets the man handcuffed. He puts him in the car. He takes him down to the station and the man's like not talking. He's not saying anything. It isn't until they do like a sketch and everything and they get in contact with I forget where it is, uh, Colorado, and that he's identified as Ted Bundy. Damn. Did they have fax machines? Yeah. Okay. Did they, when they got him on the 15th, did they have any idea that he was the one responsible for these other... Not really, no. No? Okay. They just knew that he was in a stolen car. Okay. And then he attacked an officer, so it was like, yeah, <coughs> yeah we taking you in. Mm-hmm. Why did I spell violent vile net? <laughs> Velo net. It's almost like violet, but with an N and not an L. So now is where we get into the final of Ted Bundy's trials. So there are two separate trials for Ted Bundy. The first 
is the murders of the members of the Chi Omega sorority house. And that trial takes place. How did they pin that on him? We're getting there. Okay. (laughs) And that one. I just asked you if (laughs) they. Okay. (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking. This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) So, oh, oh, oh. So that trial is taking place in Miami, Florida. The second trial is for the murder of Kimberly Leach, and that is going to take place in Orlando, Florida. The state appointed Ted Bundy five different lawyers to represent him, but he chose to ignore the help of the state, that the help that the state gave him, and he wanted to represent himself. <laughs> At this point, they're really just going through the Chi Omega murders, and they're like, okay, we have witnesses who saw you outside of that house or running away from that house, which is how they kind of pin this on him. Mm -hmm. There were some other things that I'm going to get into in a second, but they were basically trying to give him a plea deal, and he didn't want to take it. They were like, if you plead guilty, you will literally just get life in prison. Like, there's no death sentence. Just fucking plead guilty take the life sentence like just get this over with whatever and they said that for a while he did kind of contemplate the fact that like maybe i should do that and just take the life sentence and just ride this out in jail Mm -hmm. but then he decided against it yeah and (laughs) he said it was poor (laughs) he said it was poor legal representation and that he felt that they weren't doing their uh fair share trying to keep him out of jail that they were just trying to make him plead guilty so one of the things that ted didn't really know was that they had those teeth markings off of the victims Mm -hmm. like i mean obviously he bit them so he should know that he fucking bit them but it wasn't like something on his mind that he had that like maybe they're going to try and get a dental impression right they had got a dentist to come into the jail sheriff ken was like okay ted like we need to take you somewhere you know it's fine we're just gonna walk this way and ken was like i remember him saying to me you know do what you have to do ken you know i'm not a violent person but like he was kind of also asking him like where are we going what are we doing because he was like i didn't want to tell him like oh we We have a dentist yeah we have to get this dental impression because like in the time that i'm walking him there he can try and bust his mouth on something and then that messes up with his dental impression and everything Mm -hmm. so they ended up like getting him into the room and he's like screaming that he needs his lawyer and blah 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 and that they (laughs) are your own lawyer (laughs) and that they can't do this to me but they ended up getting that dental impression um from him so on june 25th 1979 The trial is to commence with the jury selection. And this is reportedly the first televised trial, like nationally Mm -hmm. televised trial. Michael Minerva is Ted Bundy's former lawyer. And he said that Ted initially agreed to plead guilty in exchange for life imprisonment, which was better for them because like if he went to trial then he would be at risk for the death penalty like we said but then when they arrived in court he pled guilty he decided to launch into a speech (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he did (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry so he launched into like this huge speech about like this whole 
I'm not guilty, but these people think I'm guilty. And it was just like this really weird, like, circle of a speech. And it was like, what the fuck are you trying to get at? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Bundy himself said during an interview that he never had the intention of pleading guilty. But Minerva, who was the lawyer, was like, no, we had this whole thing planned out. Like, he was going to plead guilty. We were going to get him for life imprisonment. That was literally the best that was going to come out of this case. So we told him to just take it and shut up. But he completely disregarded our legal counsel. He went into this ridiculous speech, basically shot himself in the foot with everything that he was saying. Minerva actually tried to withdraw himself from the case, but the judge would not allow it. He told him that, look, you don't have to be his lawyer, but you're going to be his advisor. So, because I I know he's gone to law school. He Mm -hmm. didn't finish it. This is a big case because it's a death penalty case. So we need a real fucking lawyer on this case because <laughs> if not, then uh, he's going to get the chair. Yeah. Well, not even <laughs> that. He can go back and be like, my lawyer wasn't good enough because it was me. Yeah. So then they'd have to do a whole uh, other trial. Yeah. Retrial. Mm-hmm. From the moment the trial starts, Bunny complains to the judge that the conditions of his prison cell are atrocious. He starts bickering with the con- his counsel. Why? Because there ain't no light thing in the <laughs> ceiling that he can get out of? Maybe. <laughs> he tries to, like, take the reins and cross-examining <laughs> police officers. And, like, when he sits down for testimony, he refers to himself in third person. So that really, like, throws everyone off when he's, like, talking about himself in third person. The Bundy. So the first witness which was, like, a huge turning point for this entire trial, was a girl, her name is Anita Neary. She was on the campus at the time that Ted was running out of the Chi Omega house. Mm -hmm. So she saw him running out of the house. When asked who she saw fleeing from the house, she pointed across the room and pointed at Ted. And that was, like, the most vital, important piece of evidence that they had. Because she was just like, oh, it was him. Like, I know it was him. The second person they called to the stand was the the dentist who had done the... um, The impression? Yes. Mm -hmm. The impression. He was showing them, like, pictures of the impression versus, like, the impression on the girl's skin. And then he was like, this is the mold that we have. And he would, like, kind of put it, like, and, like, have it bite something. And, like, you could tell the teeth impression was exactly the same. So that was, like huge I think like the biggest thing they said is that in his teeth he had a lot of abnormalities that would not even be possible for someone to potentially have something quite the same right so they were like it's literally like a fingerprint like these these are his teeth it's okay because now they're trying to have those thrown out of they're trying to have those thrown out why teeth impressions because there's sometimes like there's sometimes what people would be like oh this is like a bite mark and this is a scraping and all that stuff but it'll be like just the top half and there's no like bite underneath mm-hmm. so people like match it oh, to the top. the top impressions but won't have the bottom impressions and so then they find out later like it was something completely different well that's <clears> understandable <throat> but he has oh, but these both. are yeah yes 
but right, right, right. it's like the way that they are they'll match them to other to people put the people in jail for murder and then they'll come out like 15 years later and it's like those weren't even bite marks and they have they were scratch a, marks it wasn't from like scratch a- marks but it's like stuff like things that have happened or whatever to their bodies that even it, it's a whole series on Netflix. So you have to watch it. But they're trying to have it have uh, dental impressions and stuff like that thrown out because they they did like a study. So they they put out pictures and it's like I forget how many pictures, like 10 or 15 pictures. I can't remember. But they gave them to specialists. Mm-hmm. Like what are they called? Whatever. Forensic specialist? Yeah, something like that, like dental forensic specialist or whatever. And so they gave it to them, and they're like, okay, so tell us. And these people knew that gave them the photos, like which ones were bite marks and which ones weren't. And so they gave it to them, and they're like, okay, tell us which one's which. And there was no clear cut. Like, it wasn't even 50-50 or anything. Like, people were like, maybe, yes, no. And, like, across the board, like, they couldn't say definite yes or no. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, like this this was one thing, but like across the board. Right. No, I, I can it. understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Nita was actually the girl who was coming home in the car. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was in the house when she saw Ted. Like he, she came in the house and he fucking ran past her and out the door. That's fucking crazy. Uh, I would shit myself. Anyway, is she the one that called the cops? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was her testimony, the testimony from the teeth, and well, the testimony, the evidence of the teeth, and then who was it? The girl from the house down the street. Can't remember her name for the life of me. And then Kathy and Karen also testified. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like case closed. You're screwed. And Ted was trying his bestest, but it wasn't going that well for him. <laughs> and then. They said that the most disturbing thing about having Ted Bundy as his own lawyer was that he would cross-examine the first responders and the police officers, and he would make them basically go through what they saw that day and just replay the events of, like, the crime scene. He was trying to relive it. Yes. And, like, he would ask them for the most gruesome details and they were like it just really alienated him from the jury even more but like you could tell that he was just so excited to have them talking about it like he was just beaming when they would talk about it he was like yeah i fucking did that like the look on his face was like he was proud of what he did oh my god Mm -hmm. (laughs) what a psycho Mm mm-hmm the jury came back with the verdict of guilty, and on July 30th, 1979, the judge had sentenced Ted Bundy to death twice for the murders by means of electric chair. And it took the jury less... Wait, what was the day? Was that my birthday? July 24th. Oh, <laughs> like, wait, oh, so what? July 24th is when... <laughs> don't know why you said he is you got real excited there (laughs) no i was like what the hell yeah no july 24th is when fourth two four right above it oh june okay never mind oh so july 24th is when he is uh 
His verdict. His guilty verdict. Yeah. And July 30th is when he is sentenced to death. But this is only the yes. the Chi Omega case. Yes. Okay. So ju- it's just for Bowman and Levy. And then it's the attempted murders of Kathy, Karen, and Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Now, from where the heck is he? He's Miami. Miami. Now we're going on a train ride to Orlando. Wah, wah. Sorry. <laughs> He is brought to Orlando for the second murder trial. This is January 7th, 1980. He is to stand trial for the murder of Kimberly Leach. Her body was found. It was kind of like in a ditch a month after. So in like March of 78? Mm Mm-hmm. Once again, did they charge him for kidnapping or? No, because he got 15 years for the kidnapping. Uh, huh? The attempted kidnapping? No, 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 no. Because that was Utah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, right now for Kim. So they're charging him for a murder of Kim. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How did they figure that out? He's getting there. Okay. And I thought you had said something. He actually decided against self representation. Why? Because I got him nowhere <laughs> in Miami. Uh, his defense team pled not guilty by the reason of insanity. A lot of people said by this point, Ted had lost a lot of his confidence and his demeanor. A lot of the forensic evidence and the eyewitness testimony linking him to this crime convinced the jury pretty damn well that he was guilty. I mean, it's like if it's a life or death situation, it has to be without a reasonable doubt. So obviously it was pretty damning. And the one thing that they said that really pushed it over the top was that firefighter I was talking about Mm -hmm. how he saw them coming out of the house and he was like no I oh yeah out of the school (laughs) and he was like that was the man who was walking that little girl I just didn't think anything of it like I thought it was her father but that's him right and then from getting the car they found matching clothing fibers and also pieces of her hair in the car that linked both her and Ted to that being in the car together. But through all this, he's just like, no, I'm innocent. It, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the person Even who Even with the all car. that evidence against him? Mm-hmm. Dumbass. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, the other thing, too, is is that he, he met with somebody. He... He met. He gave the okay to meet with one journalist, and this is how you had the Ted Bundy tapes. So he gave the okay to meet with the journalist in order to prove his innocence and why he was not the person who did the killings. But then he ends up confessing to, to like everything. <laughs> yeah, like tells the whole story. Was this during the trial? No, it's it after. was after. Oh. And like I do, oh, I do talk. To clear his name. Yeah, I do talk about that. Um, <laughs> so with all this going on, there is a lovely woman named Carol Ann Boone. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at this That's... point, she has been writing Ted. She's moved. She lived up in the Washington area. She actually moved down to Florida to be within like I think it was like fifteen or twenty minutes away from the jail he was at. <laughs> So she, she could, moved like, down there specifically for yes. that. Was he writing? He was writing back to her. Yeah. No. Yeah. And like they had visits. Like she visited him 
while she was in jail and like they were in love, 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 mm-hmm. love, love. So during this sentencing, so he is found guilty for the murder of Kimberly Leach. During the sentencing, after he is convicted for the rape and the murder of a 12-year-old, he asks Carol Ann Boone to marry him while she is taking the stand because he made her take the stand to, like, as a character witness. Because mm-hmm. she was like, he is the sweetest man I've ever known and he is so nice and it's going to be wonderful. So it was like, <sighs> but so... What happened to What's-Her-Face from back in... So Washington. she, they were together God, for. I can't a, remember her name. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Oh so they were together for a little bit right before he escaped because, like, she knew about everything that happened when he was when he did the whole jump out the window thing, and there were letters back and forth before he squeezed through the vent when he was like, "I might do this, but I'm not going to do this." Like the letters, <laughs> but <laughs> and she, then he did. Yeah, and then he traveled across the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she said that it took her a really long time, Elizabeth, to come to terms with the fact that, like, Ted was the person who did this. Because she was like, yes, although every once in a while he would snap, he had this temper, like, things things were weird, and I knew there was something going on with him. But then, like, I sat there, and I watched these things happen, and then I put together the shit that was going on... When he would come back when home. When he would come home, right. and the way he was acting, and what he was saying, and then... She also recalled a point where she was at home with her daughter and she was sleeping and she woke up because it smelt like smoke in the house and she was coughing. Mm -hmm. So she starts opening windows and like gets her daughter out of the house and then figures out that like the vent like the furnace for the fireplace Uh is closed. So all of the smoke is coming into the house. So, Ted actually confessed later on after these trials that, like, he didn't want Elizabeth to have to deal with him anymore. So, he was just trying to kill her in the nicest way possible. And then, there, and she was like, I remember that happening. And when he came home the next day, he looked shocked to see me. And I'm just yelling at him about why the hell didn't you bring a fan into the room? Because it was full of smoke yeah and i was just like oh my god and then um she said there was another time that she didn't know if like he was trying to kill her or if he was playing around but she got really pissed off about this too they went like whitewater rafting Mm -hmm. but they were in like a very calm part of the rafting and he like bumped her so she fell off of the raft and was trying to hold her under the water but then like she said that something like snapped in his eyes and then he pulled her onto the raft what mhm <laughs> yep oh my but, god but like she was still with him but like she didn't really stop seeing until that whole second escape thing mm-hmm. and then when he like went across the country and everything and everything happened in florida she was like no that's when i just completely cut it off no wonder he found a new pen pal. Mm-hmm. She was there from before. Oh, really? So, Carol Ann Boone, she actually knew Ted from Seattle. From when they did, around the same time that he knew Ann Rule from that suicide prevention hotline. Right. She knew him from around the same time. And she said that in that point, he had kind of been like... I want to date you and this and that. But she was like, no, not really. Like, I don't want to really, like, deal with that right now. So they didn't really date or do anything like that. She just 
kind of stayed friendly with him. But then as things kind of progressed and went on and they talked more and she got to know him better, she was like, he's the nicest man I've ever known and he would never do anything like this. Even with all this evidence against him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So woman. he proposed to her in court and <laughs> oh, she man. accepted. And due to some very obscure law, blah, 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 law in Florida, um, if you propose to someone while in court, and the judge is there to witness it. But you're already married. You're instantly legally married. What? Is that still legal now? I don't know. Let's go try it. Yep. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> constituted a legal marriage in the state of Florida. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. It would be a Florida thing. Mm-hmm. That would be a Florida thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry to any of our Floridians out there. Ted Bundy is found guilty and he is sentenced to death on February 7th, 1980, by electrocution. And now we're going to get into the lovely lady. Sorry, I was doing a really horrible song right there. Ow. I'm going to talk more about Carol Ann Boone. Boom. Boom, boom. So, who won? Did Miami or Orlando win when they zap zapped him? We're getting there. Oh. Zap zapped him. That's okay. <laughs> it. In, like, his interviews and stuff, and when he talks about it, he calls the electric chair old Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Carol Ann Boone used to do a lot of interviews when she was outside of the courtroom waiting for recesses to... I did see a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is from a news clip, and I quote, let me put it this way. I don't think that Ted belongs in jail. The things in Florida don't concern me any more than the things out West do. Winton asked if she believed the murder charges, believed if the murder charges were trumped up, she smiled and gave the reporter either an either misinformed or purposely disagreeable response by saying, I don't think they have a reason to charge Ted Bundy with the murder in either Leon County or Col- or Columbia County. So she was basically saying he's innocent of all like the crimes. Like he didn't do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, her convictions were in... They were very, very strong that she moved to Gainesville, Florida. She brought her son with her. She married him and... Instantly. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, they were crazy together. Carol loved him. She told him, she told him, like, I want to have your children. And they actually were able to have sex in prison together to the point where Carol became pregnant with Ted's daughter. Oh, yes. Who is the only biological child of Ted Bundy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people were like, this cannot be his kid. Like, this seriously cannot be his kid. And did, he put did the they do DN- the v, DNA testing on her? be his baby. It is his kid. Okay. It is his kid. So they said, so Carol and Ted both said in, like, separate interviews, all of Boone's, Carol's visitations were documented, and they were often conjugal. The cops didn't really care like if you slipped them money or whatever they would just leave you in the room and like ted and her both said like oh 
we could go by the hot water cooler real quick and do it or we can go in this corner real quick and do it or go to the bathroom like they didn't care like you weren't supposed to be touching each other and carol was like laughing about it uh she said after the first day they just didn't care carol ann boone is heard saying a couple times they walked in on us but acted like nothing ever happened that's crazy and she also said I've never seen anything in Ted that indicates any destructiveness towards any other people. He's a large part of my life, and he is vital to me. They were married for, I think, six years before he got the zap zap. <laughs> um, she... Yo, your bracelets, Linda. I feel it. Dangling in there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> your arm goes up in flames. <laughs> So they were married for six years. They divorced in 1986, which was a couple years before he was zap zapped. <laughs> Why did they divorce? Um, so she said that after a while, she realized that maybe he wasn't as innocent as she thought he was. Five years after their daughter was born? I mean, shit happens. It's probably because he wasn't able to be there to help raise the child. So, in August of 1980, Anne Rule publishes her book, The Stranger Beside Me. Then the following year, Elizabeth puts out her own book, and it's called The Phantom Prince. So, there's two books out by, like, very close people to him. November 17th of 1986, just hours, hours before he is scheduled to be executed for... Uh, the three killings, he gets a stay of execution because he puts in an appeal. So they put a stay of ex- a stay of execution mm-hmm. because they said they wanted to determine his mental competency at the time of his trial. So 13 months later, he went through all of the testing and this and that. And the district judge ruled that he was fully competent at the trial and he called him a diabolical genius. Which he was. Mm-hmm. I told you. <laughs> Shut up, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart idiot. Yeah. January 23rd of 1989, he kind of does this thing where he wants to atone for everything that he did. And he goes into an interview with a pastor. At this point... An interview? It's like a confession? Yeah. It's an interview. It's a taped interview. Oh. Oh. He goes into an interview with this pastor, and the pastor is very, like, anti-pornography, anti-alcohol. Porn makes everyone violent and makes everyone sexual deviants and blah, 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 blah. So in order for Ted to be, like, on this whole... Don't they all say that, though? Yeah. Ted just goes into this whole thing with Pastor James Dobson. Ted tells him... All of my behaviors are due to the pornography I used to watch as a child or used to read or I would see this and that and my alcoholism. And like he just went into this whole thing. And then the pastor went out and publicly was like, Ted said he's sorry for everything he did and no more pornography because that's what made him a serial killer. So that was like his whole anti-pornography movement was that Ted Bundy (laughs) confessed that pornography was what made him kill people. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> that is not what made him kill people. No. Yeah. So that evening, the U.S. Bad brain wiring and. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of shit oh going God. on there. 
So the U.S. Supreme Court rejects his emergency stay of execution in a five to four vote. Wait, he tried that again? Mm-hmm. I scared myself. <laughs> <laughs> you stick your finger in there? I did. I touched the wick. <laughs> it didn't hurt. I just got scared. <laughs> and you wonder why you got black dots all over your fingers. I, I genuinely don't know where that's from. Oh, my word. So there are some odd behaviors that kind of put into perspective what was actually going on with Ted mentally through his entire life. So as he's in jail and being observed by everyone and the police, the wardens and psychiatrists and everybody, an investigator reported that he could tell that Ted had like this really strange like mood coming over him. Like he was like, I could just literally feel this shift happening in the room and like he had this kind of look on his face where something changed and he was acting really weird and just like disconnected for like 20 minutes and then he snapped out of it and he was fine and he didn't really even remember what happened in those 20 minutes what? <laughs> mm-hmm. it says that at the end of it he seemed to have no recollection or rec- recognition of anything or he didn't think that anything was wrong. Everyone said that, like, it was just really obvious that there was some kind of evil lurking inside of him. Whether he be possessed or, like, mentally unstable, there was something wrong with him. <laughs> but he was still guilty of what he did. That was not a possession. Yeah, he and a lot of them said that um, they're pretty sure he was categorized for potentially a multiple personality disorder Mm -hmm. because of how quickly he like switched when he would commit the murders so they're like we don't even know if he really even actually like totally remembers them or when you bring them up it kind of like switches him into that other personality so that personality is remembering it because a lot of people who have like those multiple personalities it's due to like traumas in your childhood or in like your teen years so it's like a way to save yourself from that trauma your personality just splits and like stores it there right so because of all the traumas he had as a young child they're like he could possibly have that because he also has ptsd he also has bipolar disorder he has depression he does have some form of alcoholism like it's not like binging yeah but he is an alcoholic but not anymore because we're in jail. He's in jail, so he can't we're be. We're in jail. <laughs> we're in jail! <laughs> so when did he finally get the zap zap? So he went through several different appeals processes, and each time he got a stay of execution. One time, it actually was... And when did he confess to all the other murders? We're getting there. Okay, well... So he did all these different appeals. He's trying to get through this. Been here for a long time. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he basically exhausted every avenue that he could take in order for like the appeals process. So at this point, he's like, I'm not being appealed. I'm going to die. <laughs> so at this point, he was like, fuck it. And he decided to do the interview, which is on the on netflix the mm-hmm. ted bundy confession like the tapes mm-hmm. yep and so that is when yep he confessed to he has eight murders in washington and oregon there's two wait hold on 11 murders in washington eight in utah but three are unidentified he didn't know who they were other ones he told them who they were 
How did he know who they were? He remembered and he told them everything. Yeah. But how did he know their names and stuff? Did he like take their IDs? He talks to them. Yes, he did have some of their IDs. Jesus Christ. Three in Colorado, the three in Florida, two in Oregon, both unidentified, two in Idaho, and one in California. (laughs) So Ted Bundy confessed to 30 homicides, but it really remains unknown. (gasps) Yes. All of his victims were Caucasian females between the age of 17 to 23, except for the one girl. They kind of felt like she was just a random like standalone but as they went further into his confessions it seemed like there were other girls who were that young that he possibly kidnapped and murdered because like the one that we had talked about Anne marie burr mm-hmm. the little eight-year-old girl he never fully confessed to it but he alluded to it a lot and there were things that he would say that it was just like how would you know that there are that was when he was younger right mm-hmm. he was like what 15 14 the two girls, Lisa Wick and Lonnie Trimball, Trumball, these, those were the two girls that were near the Safeway store that he worked at. Uh, they were bludgeoned with a piece of lumber in their sleep. They were never officially connected to Ted Bundy, but he also kind of sort of hinted at that that was him. So, like, he confessed to 30 different murders, but there are so many more that he's said things about. There was... Um, Rita Curran, she was a 24-year-old elementary school teacher, and she was murdered in her apartment in Vermont. At that time, Ted was in Vermont. I was going to say, was that when he went back for that brief time and then came back? Yep. Holy (laughs) shit. There were some. There was Susan Davis and Elizabeth Perry. They were both 19, and they were stabbed to death and found outside of a parkway in New Jersey which was around the time that he was in Philadelphia, which is not that far. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. not that far <laughs> at all. Yeah. That's um, a quick afternoon drive, honestly. Yeah. Bundy is considered a very strong suspect, but they have never been able to fully tie him to that. And, like, he had always made, like, little, I guess indications here and there that it was probably him when it came to certain things because he's like well i don't entirely remember like who it was and i don't know so he would definitely point the finger at himself yeah oh yeah that sounds like something i would have done put that on my record (laughs) (laughs) yeah it kind of seemed like he wanted to make it make himself bigger than what he was i mean he was already he was a narcissist yeah yeah and so it was just like, I just want everyone to think I did this and this. But a lot of the cases that he alluded to that he could have potentially did them, and they're like, we don't necessarily know. Because, I mean, if you watch the news, there are some things he could have taken off of the news when we were broadcasting something about this murder. Mm-hmm. So it's like he could remember something from it, but we don't right. know. On January 24th, 1989, at Florida State Prison. What? Oh, January 24th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we, like, jumped decades, and I was like, well, hold up. <laughs> no, at Florida State Prison, Bundy is strapped to an electric chair nicknamed Old Sparky at 7 a.m. His last words, he was telling the people, give my love to my family and friends. He was declared dead at 7.16 a.m. And, like... 
how do I put this? So, like, I don't feel bad for him. Because it took so long? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. 16 minutes seems very long. Yeah. But, like, leading up to it outside of the jail, there were over 200 people outside of the jail waiting for him to, like, go Mm -hmm. to be electrocuted. You could hear them inside of the the jailhouse. And I mean, like, I don't feel bad for him. It just kind of, like, sucks. I'm like, damn, that anxiety must have been crazy. But then You think he had anxiety about that? Honestly. You think he really cared? I don't know. If anything, it was more of a show to him. I don't know. There's got to be some part of you that's like... I don't want to die. Not even that. Well, maybe, in a sense, but, like, more of... Oh, shit, it's actually fucking happening now. Yeah. Like, most people don't know when they're going to pass. But, like, having somebody sit there and say, okay, hey, it's going to be 7 a.m. We're going to strap you down and then zap, zap you. Fair enough. Buckle up, motherfucker. And then once you sit down in that chair and they start strapping you in, that that's it. Yeah. Some people get that adrenaline rush because they that's what they want. What was it? What was it? Albert Fish? Who was it that like helped them strap him yes, in? Albert like, Fish. Like some people just he want it f- to no, happen. Yeah. That motherfucker was fucking worse than this dude right here. <laughs> yeah, he was. We don't have no disclaimer on Ted Bundy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but no, like. I don't know. And then, like, they were cheering and, like, smacking the hearse as it was driving by and all this shit. And it's just like, yeah, I get he's a piece of shit. But, like, he was a piece of shit. I know. But, like, I don't know if I would have stood outside there. Bullshit. The way you were acting a couple weeks ago, bullshit. You would have been right there with them. Like, hey, yeah, you you killed him. Thank you, finally. Uh, I would have been watching the TV. I don't think I would have been there. That's bad. That sounds like some bad juju. Touching that fucking hearse that has that crazy ass yeah, You living back then? Yeah. You would have been down there. In the 80s? This yeah. happened like the year before I was born. And if you were of age at that time, <laughs> your ass would have been down there. I don't know. Bullshit. Listen, I would have. <laughs> yeah. If she would have dragged you along. <laughs> I would have. I would have been like, listen. There's this thing going downtown. Let's get in the car. And then this dumb bitch would be like, all right, bet. And what time we- do we got to leave? 6 a.m. Wow. <laughs> it happens at 7. Can I take a nap? Yes. <laughs> she gets there and the realizes it's reason Ted Bundy. Not to know, right? <laughs> all the more oh, reason God, for you I not to know. Oh, God, <laughs> Shut up. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you drug me down here. (laughs) I should go home and play some Assassin's Creed. I haven't played that in a really long time. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Assassination. Oh, no. Wait. That was an execution. Those are not. Those words are so close for me. (laughs) Oh, my God. What? Assassination and what? Execution. How? The ending. Killing. Also that. Asian? Yes. (laughs) So nation is close to that, too? No. What? How? Hmm? Assassination? Execution? Oh, yes. (laughs) No. I was just trying to associate. Sean. (laughs) Okay. So, fuck Ted Bundy, too. It's my missing person. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Um, today's missing person is from Florida. Her name is Kiana Cole. She was last seen on February 10th, 2019 at approximately 11 p.m. in the area of Martin Luther King Boulevard in Brooksville, Florida. She was walking towards Broad Street. Since that date, Cole has not been seen or heard from by family or friends, nor have detectives been able to locate her. According... Additionally, Cole failed to attend an appointment with the state's attorney office on February 11th, 2019 to discuss a case of aggravated battery and strangulation, which was upgraded to attempted homicide in which she was the victim. Oh, shit. Detectives believe Cole may be in danger. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Kenia Cole, please contact Detective N. Stevens at Hernando County Sheriff's Office. The phone number is 352-754-6830. Why do they not give me a description? Uh, she is a black female, five foot six. She weighs 145 pounds. She has black hair and brown eyes. Uh, that she is considered a missing endangered adult due to the fact that she is a victim and the key eyewitness in the attempted homicide case for her ex-boyfriend. It is an attempted homicide on her life, which resulted in the homicide of their unborn five-month-old child. They are still actively looking for her. If you do see her, call the number 352-754-6830 or 911 or your local law enforcement agency. Good morning. Good morning. That was a good one, you guys. What? Our series. Yeah. No. Go away. We'll yell at my son. Yes. Oh, it was a long one, everyone. And then we're going to get back into the groove of things where Linda does an episode. So you can actually hear her talk a little bit. Listen. And then... So then you can be on your phone? (laughs) Yes. Nah. So I can drink some more water. I need a lot more water. Is that a chapel? Yeah. Go into the chapel and... Is there somebody inside? No. That's probably just her finger fat. window. Interesting. I like it. Not sure how I feel about it. I'm going to say no. Yeah, that's going to fade real quick. Just like your other tattoo inside your finger. Yeah. They don't fade so much as they blur. Mine's fine. Honestly, that's cleaner than most people. Look at your knuckle. Exactly. No, that happened because of it just peeling off before it healed in there. Mm. Who was telling the story of something earlier? You guys were... No? What? I don't know. What? I want another foot tattoo. I mean, I want a foot tattoo. I don't have one, but I want one. I'm considering it. Just throwing that out there. I was thinking about it. I was looking at tattoos the other day. And I was like, I've got like eight. What's one more? Nine. (laughs) Twelve. (laughs) Actually, I don't remember how many I have. But that doesn't matter. Anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. Next week is all Linda. Yep. Uh, maybe it won't be as long. We'll see. Don't forget. Rate. <laughs> what does it matter how long it is? <laughs> we'll bring you back an episode next week. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, share, follow, tell Patreon, your friends. Tell your friends, <laughs> your cats, your coworkers, your cousins. Just don't tell my coworkers. 
Yeah. My coworkers know. I act like this at work, so it's literally no I don't surprise. tell anybody at my job. Yeah, I wouldn't. Don't. No. They, anybody who follows me on Instagram, Snapchat, or... Oh, they know. They, that's how they know. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, you want more water? I didn't think it was going to be that loud. (laughs) (laughs) I got my liter bottle. (laughs) But yes, thank you guys for your support. Happy New Year! Your undivided attention. I feel like it's too late to say Happy New Year. No, no. It's still January. 100%. Right? Yes. Yes, it will be. It'll be like the 19th when this comes out. It'll be the 19th. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then we got a hockey game. Are you serious right now? Anyways, you guys, rate, review, subscribe, follow. (laughs) Sorry. Hit that like button. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to East Coast Creepin'. Cover art by Leslie Lozano. Music from Premium Beat. Editing by Larry Bark at Revitalist Recording Studio. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ECC The Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review. See ya!